All right, everyone, thank you. Good evening, thank you so much for coming. I'm Jenny Thorson, I'm a librarian here at Love Library. And welcome to our first Pop talk of the year. This is a very special Halloween-themed Pop talk, vampires versus zombies. So we have two fantastic guest speakers tonight that are going to present very compelling arguments in a battle of the undead. We have Dr. Rebecca Lai, She's the Susan J. Rosowski Associate Professor in the Department of Chemistry at UNL. She's known for her chemistry in Harry Potter class and her love of vampires. On the other side, we have Dr. Rochelle Burks. She's the postdoctoral research associate with the Department of Chemistry at Doan College and the Center of Nanohybrid Functional Materials at UNL. She's known for her American Chemical Society reactions videos and her love of all things zombie. <laughs> Our two doctors, mad scientists, if you will, will each have an opportunity to lure you to their particular flavor of the undead. And in the end, your choice will determine the victor. Um, you can tweet about this event using the hashtag SciPopTalks. Show your support for your team with the tags Team Zombie or Team Vamp. We will hand out goodie bags to the best costumes during the question and answers. Remember to take a look at our wonderful book, game, and movie display and pick up something um, to check out after the talk. You should have received a copy of our lineup of talks for next spring. It's a fantastic lineup, so make sure you get that. And if you don't have one, Joni can give you one um, after the talk. All right, so to get things started, we'll need to take account of supporters for each team now, and then we'll take another one again after the lectures Ooh. to determine whether Dr. Lai or Dr. Burks is more persuasive for their side. All right, so it's time to decide. Ooh. Are you team zombie? <gasps> okay, do you have someone taking count? Okay. Team vampire. <sighs> Yay. <laughs> and we actually have, for the equal opportunity fans of the undead, the team vampire-zombie hybrids, also oh. known as Bambies or Zompires. So anybody who didn't vote, that's uh, where you are right now. Awesome. So without any further ado, I give you Dr. Rebecca Lai and Dr. Burks. So we're going to leap right in to our debate by talking about diet. First up. Of course, everyone knows that vampire's diet is blood and not all types of blood, human blood. Now, human blood is composed of plasma and three different types of cells, red blood cells for transporting oxygen, white blood cells for fighting infections, and platelets for blood clotting. Now, blood makes up about 7% of our body weight, so you can think of, well, that's a lot of blood. But I'm going to tell you, vampire's diet is lean and mean. If you think about donating one pint of blood, about 500 mils to the blood bank, that corresponds to only around 450 calories. Now, if you think about the vampires actually have a diet similar to us, 2,000 calories per day, it's going to require four plus bags of blood, which is not easy to come by. Now, another part I would say, well, vampire's diets are not all that balanced. You think about, it's not all that nutritious, nutritious because of blood. Too high protein, 
too low carbohydrates and fibers, aka Atkins diet. <laughs> now, that could be one of the reasons why, actually, if you look at the movies and in TV shows, vampires are in general very slender. Well, you know, it has been on this uh, low-carb diet for, well, centuries. <laughs> <laughs> Zombies, on the other hand, are not really so much on the lean diet. They are eating a lot of flesh. Um, and for most of the zombie movies people are familiar with, that would be human flesh. And not just any flesh, not just the skin, right? What are they eating as the human parts? Just like you eat, if you're not a vegetarian, you're talking about muscle, right? So if you're actually eating meat, that is a high protein, and for some of the victims, perhaps also a high fat diet. <laughs> also, I wouldn't call that diet balanced either, right? There's, they're, they're not reaching for a mango, right? They're <laughs> reaching for man. <laughs> so the zombie diet, too, is not very, and it's definitely not lean, right? The entire human body, if you were to consume, say, somebody who's about 5'7 and 150 <coughs> pounds, it's about 85,000 calories if you consumed what you would say would be the edible portion. So good thing that the zombies aren't, the metabolism still isn't working because they would get really fat. That is a huge caloric intake to take in all the time. So maybe that explains why zombies too, they tend to come in all shapes and sizes also. They're not terribly lean. Now, of course, how do you have vampires coexist with human is that they're synthetic blood. Now, the true blood producers and the writers already have gotten that. Now, if you look at these true blood, they're not just one type. There is O, A, B, A, and B. Presumably, vampires actually pick their favorites. So we'll see who's going to be the victim. I'm A+. And uh, <laughs> so it depends on the type. Now, having synthetic blood not only helps vampires, it's actually important for humans as well. Well, not for consumption, but for transfusion. Now, I would like to say, in la last year, of all places, Romania, vampire. So one, <laughs> one of the scientists actually in Romania developed a synthetic blood using a protein called hemerythrin, which is a protein, an oxygen-carrying protein like our hemoglobin, but extracted from sea worms. Now, what they think about is that, of course, it's not a permanent source of blood, but it could be used perhaps after surgery 10 to 24 hours until our body is capable of replenishing that blood. Now another part they brought in a very nice concept is called instant blood, which you can actually carry these proteins everywhere and when, okay, transfusion needed, you can just add salt and water, reconstitute right there, right then. Now that's amazing, the fact that it's very good for vampires, well it's good for us because there's always uh, not enough uh, blood donations, but for vampires, that's essentially, you can think about it's like a trip to McDonald's, but faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is for zombies is that science is also making synthetic meat. Uh, and most scientists that are working on these types of projects, uh, they're using actually adult stem cells. Um, and then a little bit of science in the lab, uh, and we get meat. Now, tricky thing is uh, the texture. We've really got to work on that um, because the texture of meat is actually, that is one of the telltale signs, right? Any vegetarians in the house? Okay. So you can get things that maybe smell a bit like meat, maybe taste a bit like meat, but what can't you sometimes reproduce? The texture of meat. And so we're still working on that. Um, but potentially, remember, zombies, eh, maybe not that bright. We'll get to that later. Maybe we could fool them. 
with this type of meat and they could exist among us. Ah, how to repel and avoid. Usually in the movies, for the most part, human beings don't really want to be friends uh, with zombies. Now, vampires, that's a little bit different. Depending, yes. Now, of course, the first way to repel it is light, because most vampires are not daywalkers. So one way to avoid them is um, come to the library, just don't be outside. It's no. <laughs> so that's what we don't want. Now, next. It's the holy water. Well, vampires, because it's known to be, well, it's uh, unholy spirit or unclean, so should be scared of anything that's holy, including holy water or the cross itself. But in later slides, I'm going to, to tell you one thing. Maybe vampires are not scared of just water, not just holy water, maybe any type of water. Now that, I'm going to have to say, that's the unique part, right? Why garlic? Why not onion? For neither of them is going to give them good smelling breath, that's one thing for sure. <laughs> so that garlic could be because of that, which is allicin. Allicin is a sulfur-containing compound that is found in garlic extract, and has known to be virucidal, means that it could kill virus, and bactericidal, it could kill bacteria. Now the fact is that alleged vampirism is due to the fact of a viral infection such as rabies. Perhaps this is actually the cure to solve this vampirism problem. Now this is one area where I think zombies might have a leg up, um, is that zombies, sunshine doesn't bother them one bit. Anyone who has watched The Walking Dead or zombie movies, sometimes they're made a lot in the night just because nighttime's a bit scarier, but zombies will eat you and, sh and, and shamble after you in the daytime and not miss a beat. So that is not a weakness of theirs. The problem maybe is the shambling part. <laughs> So this is from a really funny zombie movie called Cockneys vs. Zombies, where zombies attack a retirement home. And this gentleman is actually beating them on a walker. <laughs> See? So even in the Walking Dead series, which is by far the most popular zombie kind of show people are watching right now, is those are what are called Romero zombies or slow-moving zombies, right? You could simply walk faster than they could to maybe get away. And definitely, if you're a runner, no problem, right? So you can just physically avoid them. Now, another way to avoid them, which talked a little bit about last year, and anybody who's watched Walking Dead or read the series knows, they always use chemical camouflage, right? So in series one, they just coated themselves with biological fluids they got from a corpse to just smell dead. And they just went right through a huge mass of zombies in downtown Atlanta. They did the same thing in season two, season three. They do it over and over again. And they often, one season, they just chained zombies and used them like little living undead camouflage <laughs> agents. So you could definitely kind of just fool them by coating yourself with a little death cologne to get around the problem. <laughs> and of course, I have to say that holy water, that never works on vampires. So maybe I'm the winner in this category, Ooh. but maybe. We'll We're, see. We'll see. Oh. Ah, brains. I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this one. But. Yeah, this one, <laughs> sorry. So vampires are known to, to have good brain function, at least comparable to humans, or maybe even superior to humans. Now, for those who have actually remembered that Count von Count <laughs> in Sesame Street, 
Vampires like to do counting, and that's a good thing. So they might be OCD about it, actually. So the fact is that why? It came from the mythology. A long time ago in the Middle Ages, people start sprinkling rice onto the coffin to make sure that the disease will not come back as a vampire and try to attack people. Well, the reason is because of this OCDness that the vampires to count every single pieces of rice, get them accounted for, and by the time you finish counting, the sun has risen, vampire <laughs> back to the coffin. So I think it's, that's a long time ago, that's Middle Ages, so I'm going to advance it to more recent in these days. I think it would be good. They might have actually graduated from counting rice. We might actually get put a calculus book on the coffin. So by Ooh. the time sunrise came, vampire's gone, calculus homework completed. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Now, another part about mathematics and vampires, I have to add this point, is that in 2007, two physicists actually calculated, uh, basically determined a formula saying that, well, if 1680 first vampire, January, and that vampire killed one human and converted that person to be a vampire. So if he, if he, did, the, he did the calculations, eventually, basically in two and a half years, or two and a half years, all the humans will be consumed, and then they will all be vampires. But then they're going to run out of food sources. But that theory may not be entirely correct because they have not taken into concern about the birth, uh, the birth rates of humans. And that, remember, some vampires, twilight vampires, feeds on animals. Mm. And vampires have good self-control and good brain function. They could control themselves and just feed every two years, perhaps. That could be it. But I want to highlight, it's actually quite nice to see scientists actually really working on formulas to disprove or prove the existence of vampires. More science for you. There's a Zombie Research Society, with which I am a member. Uh, it's chock full of scientists, PhDs, neurologists, neurobiologists, medical doctors, chemists like myself. Um, and they've detailed, based on what we know about zombies from pop culture, what level of brain damage would have to be involved to affect mo mobility, memory, speech, and basically all of it. <laughs> there is massive brain damage um, that goes on. And so they've kind of imagined what brain scans would look like. So, and you probably saw a bit of, of, of MRI work that showed up in the Walking Dead series one where they are really, they are talking about a complete and, you know, catastrophic change to the brain that is influencing all this behavior because they don't remember, and, and they don't remember anything. They don't remember family, they don't remember friends, they don't remember themselves, they don't remember social mores, they don't remember, I mean, there's tons. It, their mobility is affected, their speed is affected, the gait of their walk is affected, they usually don't speak just a moaning, you know, kind of like undergraduates at a 7.30 a.m. class. <laughs> Sounds very similar. Um, so definitely a little bit of a problem when it comes to some of the higher level brain function. And that gets back to Dr. Lai's point of making good decisions. So there's a really fun comic book called The New Dead Wardians that kind of quote the lower classes are zombies and the upper classes, the elite, are vampires, and that kind of fits into how we view these two monsters as being, one is quite educated and worldly and able to kind of remember their life and all these things and be really smart, and zombies, not so much. And so this kind of goes into that, but it also goes into the idea of who's smart enough to not eat all of their food supply. 
Well, that's the reason why some of them feed on animal blood and more so I just mentioned about true blood, synthetic blood. If they could actually, once in a while, only in New Year's you got a treat of humans. Other than that, well, yeah. bottled blood to go. So that could actually control the usage of it to allow them to coexist with humans. And there's definitely been that in cinema where you talk about, okay, we have to be conservative. Um, Only Lovers Left Alive was a very recent vampire movie with Tom Hiddleston mm -hmm. and uh, you know, a friend, it's actually the sister of his love interest, was kind of indiscriminate almost in the killing. Not only that it would bring attention on them, but that you have to really meter this out. This isn't an infinite supply, that there are a lot of things in place and it draws too much attention to ourselves. Zombies, not so much with that. <laughs> There's this kind of just consuming what we kind of think of a pandemic environment is how we view zombies. We don't really use, we don't use those kinds of words, epidemic or pandemic or kind of apocalypse when we deal with vampires because those monsters show restraint. So that is that kind of ability, even though you're monstrous, you're only selectively monstrous. And that could be, I might have to concede this point too, but we'll see. <laughs> Oh, you might win in this category. <laughs> <laughs> so brawn. Brawn, yes. Vampires not always think about being brawny. You can think about they are very strategic, they are smart, but not always brawny. Now, if you think about date back to Nosferatu, 1922, it's that they're mostly loners, first of all. There's never a huge population of vampires. But of course, later on, if you look at these fantastic true blood vampires, there's more and more. They become families, community, society, etc. But the fact is that they don't come from the brawny, but they mostly think about they're very strategic. Now, you already noticed from here is the fact is that vampires use weapons. So not only they have two types of weapons, in addition to their fangs, they also throw in a few AK-47s. <laughs> you can really think about vampires could be a very formidable enemy as well. Oof. Yes, not so much with zombies, but with zombies, you know, we often say a mark of kind of an advanced species is their ability to use weapons, right? Or tools, because weapons are just a type of tool, mm -hmm. right? So zombies, not so much with the tools, they kind of fall back on the fact that they look horrifying and they're biting people. Um, but there's usually a lot more of them. It's almost a swarm. So, you know, like a, just a swarm of locusts coming in and maybe a tarantula would be scarier or a scorpion, but it's the suffocating nature of the attack. It's just that they come and they come in huge numbers. And it seems where if you see one zombie, what should you be looking for? The others, because <laughs> they always seem to come in a horde. In fact, there's a great French zombie movie called Le Horde. They come in huge numbers. And so can you make up for the fact that maybe you don't get weapons, you don't have a strategy, they don't really seem to be working together in a lot of zombie movies? other than they just are this overwhelming force. So maybe a little bit. And uh -oh. one key bit is zombies, they don't need downtime. Who needs downtime? <laughs> <laughs> Never know. They're just uh, taking a break. <laughs> they just break yeah. to recuperate. Zombies don't take breaks, um, and so that that could be a, a strength. It could also be a weakness. That's true.
Ah, all right. possible real-life causes. Yes, now that's where the science comes in. As I already talked about previously, slightly about rabies. That's the viral particle of a ra basically rabies. Now, why would I think it could be mistaken as vampirism? It's because of the fact that people that are infected by rabies want to bite. So they actually <laughs> want to bite. Now, another part is that as in terms of enraging rabies or rabies that are actually, um, you know, advanced state, they actually be, uh, would develop hydrophobia. And that's what I talk about. Maybe not the holy water, just scared of water in general. Now, of course, our other part of rabies, why it's associated is that some rabies are actually specifically transmitted by bats. You may think about mostly dogs, but there are certain types that are only by bats. So that's relating bats to rabies to vampires. Now, that's, then there's another one other than rabies. That is related to this molecule called porphyrin. Now, that's, this disease is called porphyrius, which is a very rare genetic disease. Now, the patient basically could not produce the heme. Think about iron porphyrin, that's the heme group that is inside your hemoglobin, which is responsible for transporting oxygen that we all need. So these patients, they basically cannot make it very well, therefore they require trans blood transfusion, which could be mistaken as blood consumption, mm. long time ago, you can think of. Now another part with porphyrias is that they also have some symptoms such as light-induced blisters of their skin and also skin discoloration. That's why they have to stay inside, never out in the broad daylight. That's one of the reasons. Now another reason that you can think of how it could be misdiagnosed is the fact is that the diagnosis of porphyrias is based on looking at their urine and also their blood samples. Because they cannot actually process or synthesize these well, a lot of times this molecule, porphyrin, which is red in color, would be found in their urine. When someone to think of, wow, what the person has been eating to have that type of red color. So that could be one of the reasons gotten that mistaken as vampirism, but maybe due to two types of diseases. And rabies could also explain zombies. Biting, the foaming at the mouth, Another thing that rabies can do is it can affect how you walk, your ability to actually do fine motor movement starts to slowly depend on which stage you're at, neurological function. So there have even been scientists that have hypothesized that the kind of patient zero for both strains of undead monsters, rabies, and then you had some mutations go on. So that's just one option maybe. There are real live species that quote zombify other species. So one of these would be the, what's called an emerald wasp. And this one's really cool because it attacks a cockroach which is way bigger than itself. And it injects a neurotoxin into two specific locations in its brain, which completely makes this cockroach docile. So after it has been stung the two times, it then does this weird thing of grooming itself obsessively for about 30 minutes. And the wasp is going and, you know, kind of setting up its lair because things are about to go horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> more horribly wrong, I should say. So then after about 30 minutes, the wasp just kind of, you know, coaxes with no real work, just, you know, kind of moves the cockroach into an area, implants an egg into the cockroach after burying it, by the way, cockroach is alive the entire time, alive. Um, <laughs> it puts a fertilized egg into the cockroach, seals it back up with really small pebbles, and then leaves. Guess what happens next? Okay, so it's like that chestburster burster in Alien. Um, so 
what is the chemical, it's this wasp venom, it's some type of, they're, they're still doing the work on this, mapping out all the compounds in the venom, but they believe it is a neurotoxin. And what it's doing is it's affecting the acopine receptors in the brain, which completely make the cockroach incredibly docile. It affects movement. All of these neurological functions just make it kind of very, well, the kind of neurological features we think about when we think about zombies. So that, neuro, that, that neurological component is a huge one with zombies. So often deuterotoxin gets brought up a lot in kind of a real world example of zombieism. This goes way back to the beginning, especially in Hollywood, the mythology of kind of the Haitian zombie, right? Or anyone who's ever read or seen Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh, that kind of idea that you can give someone a neurotoxin and they will be chemically into a zombie, right? That it will affect all of these motor functions, and it does. It affects all of the same kind of traits. If you asked about traits of a zombie that related to brain function, this one can affect those, but it doesn't cause any of the, the bitey, bitiness, which is good. So evolution. All right. <laughs> Thank you. So evolution, thinking about vampires, I would always say, for those who remember Nosferatu, 1922, very classic movie, but if you look at that, well, the fangs, the face, not particularly posh looking, I would say, <laughs> and not social, loner type of guy. Now, it could evolve to the end-rise vampires, like Lestat, a little bit already more posh looking, and later on, you're going to add, well, for the first time for Underworld series, you see a female vampire lead, which is very good in terms of having the diversity. And of course, the true blood vampires, different diversity, there's different. And last but not least, I would not, to, I would not <laughs> want to not mention the sparkling vampires or the twilight vampires. But I would like to say you can look at the evolution is that from in the beginning, a really monster and loner, not social, to become more and more social. And now they're integrated into the human society, being able to coexist with humans. So zombies like vampires have had a, a huge evolution in pop culture. If we start, first start with the, one of the big popular zombie movies back in the day, 1932, which was called White Zombie, wasn't actually dead. This was more of your classic kind of voodoo, what they would call this, this era of voodoo zombies, where they were just made into this kind of mindless creature that you could control. By the way, this was a love story. Right? <laughs> so there was that era, and it really wasn't until Romero, which is why he's kind of like the distinguishing person behind zombies, Romero's 1968 zombie classic, where you start to see the look and the appearance of a undead or a living dead monster. This is also what's thought to be the first time that a zombie actually bites and appears to consume um, flesh on film. Now, that is in 68. It's not until 85 where you actually have zombies on film that are obsessed with brains. That's not a Romero thing. And he just did an interview saying, enough with the brains. That wasn't me. That was this movie, which he didn't have anything to do with. Um, so there's an evolution in the monsters. Vampires seem to be getting better looking. <laughs> Zombies seem to be going in a more horrifying direction until we get to warm bodies where we almost see a reversal start to happen and also not as mindless. There's some memory there. 
There's uh, wanting to actually have human, what we would call human relationship. It's almost steps back um, from the zombies that we've been seeing for, that have dominated for a good 30 to 40 years in cinema. Now, here is the scary thing. Instead of a versus situation, what if we had a love story? Very well met, I would say. You know, not too shabby. Is there something like this in nature? Yeah, well, it is entirely possible. Some might have heard about it, ligers and tigons. Now think about what is a liger. Liger is a, basically a lion father and a tiger mother. And there's the other, you look at the name right there, it's a tigon. Tiger father with a lion mother ended up having a hybrid called tigons. Now I would like to add that it's really about their properties, that's very unique. Now ligers actually takes after the mom liking water and swimming, which you don't see lions swimming. Mm -mm. But at the same time, it also likes to be very social, just like lions. You think about pride of lions. So basically, they are the best of both worlds, combining the best attributes of the parents to have this stronger and better species. And I would like to add that ligers can grow from 900 to 1,200 pounds, which is larger than both either of the parents. Ooh. Well, I don't know about large vampire zombie mix. Yeah. Have to, really, <laughs> That's that a, might be a bit tough. We'll a 1,200-pound um, vampire, vampire or zompa. Um, <laughs> so could we build a better undead monster by having a zompire or a vampy? So we did talk about some of the weaknesses of both monsters, right? So what are some of the maybe physical weaknesses of vampires? Sunlight. Nope. They need some downtime. That's a kind of a consistent thing. Maybe not so much in the twilight. I'm not actually. I confess, I haven't read Twilight, so I'm not Oops. sure. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the other vampire, there is a downtime, right? So, what would be some of the the physical weaknesses to zombies? They, they really they get in, damage, themselves. damage themselves, which that's a key bit because you start losing parts, which always happens in a zombie movie. <laughs> you just can't move very fast, right? You've lost yeah. appendages. You've got these you know, massive holes in your structure. Uh, what would be another main physical issue. weakness? Yeah, main issue. It's Neurological ah. deficit is huge, okay? And, uh, and part of the brain thing is, a lot of them don't move very fast when we see them on cinema. What would be an exception to that, especially lately? There have been a few movies where they've had, quote, fast zombies. Okay. World War Z. World War Z. Mm -hmm. um, rage zombies, but are those really zombies? That, that could be another debate. Um, so if you were to actually have some kind of a hybrid, what would you want the hybrid to be? What would be the characteristics that you'd want if we could get a Ligon, Liger, <laughs> Liger Tigon, Ligon. Uh, if you could get this hybrid, what would you want the characteristics to be? You'd hope maybe not the neurological issue, mm -hmm. right? You'd want kind of some of the neurological boon of the vampire, right? but maybe you wouldn't want that whole sunlight thing. You'd want them to be able to be daywalkers. Daywalkers. So a bit like Blade, yep. who is a hybrid, right? Human he's not, he's not human. 
Not tech, there's some, there's some issue whether he's human, but there's definitely a hybrid component there. So you'd want maybe a day walker to that to be transferred to the actual hybrid. You'd want maybe advanced, some advanced brain structure compared to the, the zombie. What would be some other? What about the things we use to kind of evade? Because vampires had a lot of weaknesses, right? We, we took care of the sunlight. The water thing, though. Yeah, water thing. And the garlic. The garlic thing. We might want to, because the, the zombies don't have either one of those issues, it seems like. Um, but the neurological thing, I think, would be the big contributor from, from maybe the vampire. Yes, assuming that intelligence, intelligence is definitely, it's a dominant gene. Yes. We hope so. We least. hope so. Well. <laughs> We're going to have to do a comment <laughs> square on that to see whether it is the case. Now, what about aesthetics? Let's just be vain for a moment. Ooh. Ooh, when they changed, they did the change. They did get pretty ugly, but the true blood vampires, not so much. Z zombies, though. Zombies have been at least for the last 40 years, <laughs> consistently ugly. I'll just say it, okay? <laughs> so maybe though, we, we don't want so much of that, okay? A little bit on the vanity because, I don't know about you guys, but I think vampire is a little bit vain. Well, it's a little bit, but actually it leads to one interesting information about that someone would say, oh, vampires are scared of mirrors or that hating mirrors because they cannot see his own reflection. I think it's just very sad that I could not groom the hair nicely. I don't know how, <laughs> Edward, I don't know how Edward Cullen can get his hair like that. <laughs> but I would also like to add another point is that because they have no reflection, you cannot take pictures or videotaping them either. So they are just angry because they can't upload their selfies every three <laughs> seconds. Like, There's no self, yeah, and yeah. they would be great at Twitter. I think vampires would dominate, um, and zombies, again, with the, you'd hope with the neurological thing, I'm not feeling that they would, they would take to social media, or maybe they'd be awesome at it. It's yeah, tricky. <laughs> maybe the vampire, by cross, high, these zombies or zompies will be able to see their reflection. Ooh, and that would be. they might take selfies. That oh, would be scary, yeah. That's what, not good. <laughs> Diet-wise, you would hope, along with the neurological function, they could control their diet a bit more, mm -hmm. right? Because what do we see consistently again and again in zombie movies? It's this, this overwhelming, this swarm that there's no thinking ahead. There's no planning to, you know, if I eat all the food in my kitchen, I'm going to need to get more. Well, then if you've wiped out the entire food supply and there is no more, then what happens? That is the problem. Vampires are always thinking ahead for the most part. And we hope that that kicks into this, you know, hybrid, that you would, you would think about managing your food supply a bit better. And also, I, did, I didn't mention this back in the food supply, but the main reason why we're trying to do synthetic meat for us is also managing our food supply and managing how we produce it. So the same thing you hope would happen here would be maybe they start They've got the good neurological function. We've got a couple hybrid scientists, and they really take this meat thing to the next level so they can modulate how much human flesh they have to consume. So we're going to end it a bit on a romantic note of, of maybe there's an option of we build a better undead, better, perhaps scarier for us, uh, monster. So we'll take any questions now if you have any. Thank you, by the way, Thank for coming you. to our first iPod Talks.
questions? Anyone have questions? Do we have the microphone for people? Yeah. There must be some questions. Yes, Matthias? Uh oh. Let's get the microphone. <laughs> so, has the genetic sequence been identified, which makes both species, you know, never die? Ooh. Well, that's the tricky bit, because if you're already dead, then can you never die? Or that's are you just thought. like. That, th that would also get back into, okay, what does it mean to actually be alive? If you actually can find out what makes you immortal, then what makes you kind of live forever? Does anyone remember that movie? Um, oh, it was Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. I think it was Death Becomes Her. Okay, oh, yes. oh, yes. so to me, I was thinking about this today. I'm like, would you call those two vampires or would you call them zombies? Hybrids. <laughs> Because they are, yeah. quote, immortal, but mm -hmm. if they get physically injured, what was the thing they had to have available to them? A really good plastic surgeon, <laughs> right? So they couldn't regenerate. What do we think about vampires? They have some type of massive regeneration scheme, which you kind of do, right? You, your cells are always dying, and if things go well, you're having new ones kick in. A lot of cells in your body, all cells in your body, but a lot of them do. So you are kind of always regenerating. Yeah. That's Same goes for blood that I talked about. You yes. can replenish your blood. You usually have a human, a male, usually about 12 pints of blood and females about 9 pints. So you can donate a pint of blood and then in a few hours, your, basically your body will regenerate that. So that I encourage you guys to donate blood. And vampires can regenerate. That's what the downtime is usually for. Zombies, not so much, right? But they're still, they're still with the moving, but they're rotting. It's kind of like having that flesh-eating with fasciitis, that flesh-eating disease, or they're just, they, it's like they haven't been told yet, really, stop. <laughs> yeah, so, like, what, what would be the mechanics involved there? And there's really been some fun work. I would encourage you guys to check out Zombie Research Society, um, because they talk about that in some detail. Some geneticists have hypothesized what that would involve. Would it be kind of a form of cancer, but in you know, kind of that you're, the, the programming is not working. The programming off isn't working or the programming on isn't working or some kind of a double deficit where, you know, there was a hypothesis that it was some kind of wacky form of cancer, which you're just like, interesting. Or other kind of diseases where you have, if you, if you look at it as a disease model, what would be like we did tonight, what would be a, maybe a combination could you do it with one disease or would you need to have kind of a catastrophic genetic abnormality to come up with the right answer? And then what would cause that kind of thing? So that's the fun thing I think about these types of talks is given our basis in fact and science, can we come up with a combination of answers that can explain these, you know, these what we call silly things like, you know, zompires. Um. Okay, great. So for my answer is that I will hope that the, zombi as the, zo the zombies and the vampire society will be able to find out the gene sequence. Well, I would have to say that I do work on DNA biosensors. So if you know the sequence, I'm going to generate a sensor <laughs> to test it. Yes, that would be. Well, luckily, it was, the, it was fund my research. On oh, that. the vampire brain, you know, we get the, the vampire brain and vampires are scientists then. And even the hybrids are scientists. They're, of course, like we do, they're going to study themselves. Right. And so I would expect that. And because they're going to live forever, they 
you'd have a real consistency in the research. <laughs> Right. Go on. <laughs> exactly. They could uh, spend a lot of time doing that. Yes. And, and they want to improve themselves just like we want to improve. We want to cure cancer. We want to have all sorts of advance, advances in biomedical research, right? So. Thank you. I was thinking about how we often think about ecological niches in terms of the top level predator. And it occurs to me that, that um, zombies can eat vampires, but vampires can't really prey on zombies. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, take that. No. Um. Oh, then vampires have better brains and can actually disguise themselves, hide, or do something else, or use guns. Or well, I, I would wonder about that, though, because <laughs> oftentimes vampires exist in, in a lot of pop culture books and TVs. They exist among humans and the humans don't know it, right? So that means that they must look like humans the most, and what other thing must they act like humans the most, and smell like humans the most, which means zombies aren't going to be fooled by vampires. Even though they're not dead, they don't smell dead, right? They are undead, but they don't smell it. They must not because... We've never seen that come up in human interactions with vampires. So I think you're right. I would say that the zombies could totally go for them. But then when they bite into them, would the texture, like, would it be delicious? Like, that would be, do zombies care about taste? That would be the other thing that could influence, you know, our choices of trying to get the synthetic meat. Yeah. But in reverse, Vampires, I, I don't see them going for zombies because, no, again... Too high cholesterol. <laughs> they just want to maintain the swell figure. So that well, the blood issue. also doesn't seem to be circulating anymore because you're having this dead tissue that's rotting on you, right? And your organs aren't working. So, I mean, that's part of the problem, too, is you would think that you would be having, you know, besides rigor being set in, which would maybe almost explain this kind of stiffness, you also have liver mortis, which would be gravity. You don't have your heart isn't pumping anymore, so your blood is going to go in the direction of gravity, right? So even if a vampire did bite them on the neck, they really should have bitten them somewhere down here. <laughs> um, but then if the blood isn't moving, that means it's going to start clotting. It's going to be a lumpy mess, which I'm thinking not so... No, not so appealing. So... No, yeah, that's hard to say. Yes, okay, on that case. It's true, vampires could be eaten by, eaten by zombies, but you have to figure out, is that zombie walks like that? Vampire disappeared, just gone. Zombie is incapable of transforming into a bat or a wolf, but vampires can, so... Ah, Here you but go. You have to catch it first before that's you can true. eat it. And they could evade. That's very good. You need a, a heck of a swarm, right? You need a, a full-blown global kind of issue going on. But vampires are faster. Usually they're faster than humans. They tend to be, we like to think of them as being more crafty or, you know, maybe not smarter, but definitely they're more swift. savvy, very swift, swift kind of things. Um, but they also require downtime. So maybe the zombies will just get lucky and go into the old vampire mansion when they're all taking their siesta. Yeah, that would be, that, that's, that's true. If they find their castle and start to attack them during, when they're in the coffin, so that might work out. We'll see. That was a great question. Great question. Thank Thanks. you.
Well, I'm a little puzzled about the hybrid uh, theory because <laughs> I don't know a lot about uh, either of these, but I don't think that they reproduce sexually. That would be not in a lot of mythology. So uh, I don't see how you would get a cross well, between a vampire and a vampires zombie. and zombies. Actually, no cross has ever been made. We came up with these terms. The fact is that vampires have t clearly reproduced with humans in, in, a, in a sexual type of reproduction. Yeah, and there have so been cases we projected maybe it could be fine with, zomb uh, with zombies as well, but zombies being undead. So that's a theory not tested, we would but say. But you're, you're rather you're drafted into either the zombie crew or the vampire crew, aren't you? Well, I think that, that would be the tricky thing is how, what would a hybrid look like? Because as we talked about the evolution of both monsters, now we're almost seeing the zombies are becoming, well, more like vampires. You could say, I mean, especially with warm bodies where the neurological function is dramatically increased. They physically look very different. Clearly there's more, you know, kind of metabolism going on, but we've never seen kind of a sexual reproduction. I can't recall a zombie anything no. where sexual reproduction has been a thing, but definitely in vampires there has been. Doesn't mean it's impossible here, like from a fantasy perspective, but from kind of what we know, if we can know things about zombies, is they, they have a more catastrophic shutdown of all biological functions. And I would definitely say that just the physicality of reproduction would be one. So that might be almost a case where you'd have to engineer it, which to me brings to my mind Underworld, where they gave up on trying to naturally let a hybrid between a werewolf and vampire happen, and they engineered it. And they kept having mistakes but they kept trying, kind of like um, Alien and Predator, but that was kind of a natural thing, but Alien, when they brought Alien back um, with, with Ripley, they had to keep cloning Ripley because she threw herself in a vat of molten iron, so how did they get her back? Um, but they had to keep cloning her and they kept making hundreds and hundreds of mistakes. That wasn't a natural process. So I'm thinking that this kind of a hybrid it's going to take some real science. Science. Yes. We're not there yet. We're not we are there yet. not there yet. <laughs> but that's the only way I could even remotely seeing it be possible from a pop culture standpoint, not from a science standpoint, yes, but yes. from a narrative arc <laughs> angle. Yeah. Well, the, another question would be what self-respecting vampire <laughs> would want to mate True. with a zombie? I think that's the only benefit would be what, what would the benefit be? If you could get a tangible benefit, which would be maybe the day walking component, maybe the not needing the downtime, maybe not having the sensitivity to certain things. But I think they have the brains to be like, what am I getting out of this? Because you look horrible. But I think it would be benefit based. I think yeah. vampires strike me as being able to look at the numbers and literally look at the numbers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and come One, up two, with three, how many advantages. Yeah. So they're very strategic. It is a, yes. could be a strategic alliance for the sake of their stronger and more uh, better offsprings. It's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it's possible, I would say. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would not, I, I would think it would be totally possible too that, you know, as the genres of both have become more intermingled, mm -hmm. especially with like something like the new Dead Wardians, and you're starting to see a lot more cross-genre things. 
Uh, we see that, of course, with the entire you know, true blood universe where you have like literally all the monsters or on humans except for zombies, <laughs> not in the way that we see them now. I would almost say that we see them, the zombies throwing back to the 32, kind of the early you know, zombie enslaved kind of mentality. But I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to start seeing, oh my gosh, what if we did this, un, quote, unholy hybrid? That would, I, I, I bet you that's going to be, mark my words, people, 2016. There's going to be some kind of horrifying zombie vampire crossover. And throw in lichens later on. Maybe we're going to have a talk that is a tribrid, not yes. just hybrid. Tribrid. Yes, a monster madness bracket, if you will, to yep. see what would. That would be maybe the next year's talk and one of those new ones. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good question. Anything else?